Uh, Father, we just thank you so much that we can come together in your name. And Lord, that we can be here to praise you and glorify you in everything that we do. And Lord, I pray that we would look to you for those ways to honor and glorify you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just be with us this morning as we go through this passage. Lord, that you would bring out the things by your Holy Spirit that you want us to know. Lord, I pray that you would just be with me as well, Lord, and use me as your vessel to proclaim the truth of your word. And Lord, we just thank you for today, Lord, the beautiful creation that you have put before us. And Lord, we just pray that we would look at it and realize that you are 100% real, Lord, and that there is 100% truth within you. So Lord, we praise you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. James 4. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think that it is without reason that the scripture says, the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law... You are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like a vapor that appears for a little while then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. I mean, we can almost not even have to break that down and it's already eaten away at us. The question's right here, right out the beginning. Right? He asks, what is the source of wars and fights among you? I mean, clearly it gives, he gives the answer, right? It's kind of a rhetorical question. Because right? Right? it comes down to the fact that it's all about us and our desire and what we want. Right? And that's what this whole first portion is about, is that we're asking God for stuff, we want stuff from God, but it's all about us and how we can gain, how we can prosper. It's not about him and his glory. Right? You know, a lot of times we desire 
and we don't receive because the desire is so sinful. Right? How many of you have, have done one of those Hail Mary prayers? Probably everyone here. Right? Just yeah. throw it up, see what happens. Yeah. You know, and hope that God is going to answer in the positive. Sometimes he will, right? Because it was part of his will that, you know, he wanted to give you that answer. But a lot of times we're throwing those up going, all right, God. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, some doctors will make the joke. Well, how much medication is the right medication? I don't know. Take a handful at it. Tell them to open their mouth and throw it at them. Whatever sticks is what's going to be the right amount. Okay. That's what we're hoping for. That we're going to throw up so many prayers and we're going to keep praying it over and over and over again. But because it's all about us and how we can grow and how we can gain and not how we can glorify and honor and worship. He's going, you can ask for that all you want. The answer is no, because it's not about me. It's about you. You It says, don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? Right now, this is that aspect of there's always this war going on right between the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life or the world. Okay, so we're always fighting. Right. Our flesh, we fed fed it the same thing for so long. Right. And so the flesh is going, hey, I still want this. I want this. This made us feel good. Can we not have that still? Can we go back to that? Right. We understand this is the thing that the flesh is always wanting, the thing that we used to feed it, the habits that we used to run to to make us feel good. Well, didn't the Israelites do the same thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're like right at the edge of the promised land and they're like, well, you know, there's giants. What are we going to be able to do? The reality was they were going to conquer. Right. But they let their flesh and their their non-dependency on God cause them to want to go back. And then they got to wander around for 40 years until that whole generation but two guys died. Caleb and Joshua, only two from that generation that were able to go into the promised land. Even Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. He died on top of a mountain and God buried him. Right? He got to see promised land but you didn't get to enter all of us we want to enter right yes. or are we wanting to go back or we want to complete this thing say we did it and go back to our old life no. right we want to move forward in new life right and the new life is all about glorifying God in the things that we do if that's not what your new life is going to be about is it new life no no, it's old life, right? You're more likely to run back and do the same old thing you did for 20, 30, 40 years. Because you're like, well, you know, uh, 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 what do I do? You know, we get all like flustered and then we're like, well, I'm going to go back to that thing that I knew made me feel good. But again, it's not about that feeling good. It's about fulfillment. Do you want to be fulfilled or do you want to feel good? Do you want to make the choice to have joy? Or do you want to make the choice to be angry and grumpy all the time? Right? Because joy has to be a choice. Okay? And God wants us to have joy. Man, don't you poke at him. He has joy at times. 
I have seen that man be extremely joyful at times. He's joyful right now. Okay. So, y'all don't give young blood a hard time all the time. My goodness, that's my job. <laughs> and even I don't do it enough. <laughs> Jeff, you know we love you. Yeah, we do. Okay. Yeah, so we continue to desire these things. And how do we fix that? Uh, Replacing them with the new. Right? These are the things that you've learned throughout being here. It doesn't matter how long you've been here. You've started learning this. That in order to get rid of that old junk, you have to replace it with the new junk that's going to push it out. Right? Right? And a lot of times there's all this pressure, just like Nathan talked about. The pressure is building on top of you because you're like, well, I'm trying to move stuff and now I've got things surrounding me. And you're like, these are all the things that I thought weren't issues anymore, but it turns out they are. Right? This is why the Genesis process ends in the Exodus and it ends with repentance and forgiveness and renouncing of the old. That's, that's why it ends that way. Because we have to renounce the old. We have to rebuke the devil who is trying to bring us back into the old flesh. Right? We may not like that. You know, some of us, we're telling ourselves, well, I've already forgiven people. I've already repented for that. Are you sure? Are you sure? Do you know that for certain? You may not. So what does it hurt to pray a prayer of repentance, pray a prayer of renouncing something, pray a prayer of forgiveness? It doesn't hurt anything. But it's because of the desires waging war within us that we won't do it. Or we'll complain about, man, they're just making us do that. You know, the author wrote it this way so that we would feel like crap. No. If you're ever in a message or you're going through a book that is, you know, biblically centric for the most part, be careful, Genesis. It's mostly biblically centric and you're feeling like crap. More likely, it's the spirit trying to get your attention and point out some stuff to you. If you're ever in a message and you're like Mark going... <coughs> It's because the Spirit's doing something to you, right? You may not show it physically like some guys do, but if you're in your head going, man, that's right? You know, that's the Spirit trying to tell you something. Don't ignore it. And the Spirit tries to get your attention even if you're a non-believer. It's the Spirit who convicts the world of sin. It's the Spirit who reveals Christ to you when you're a non-believer. He's the one going, hey, hello, there's, there's a way to fix this. His name is Jesus. This is how we defeat the desires and passions that wage war within us by the grace and power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 4, it says, you adulterous people, Oh, we just love that word, adulterous. One of my favorites. Right? It's such a good word. 
I mean, I can tell you right now, some of us are going, well, I've never committed adultery, and I'm going to look back at you and go, you're full of it. Yeah. That All of us have committed adultery. That word punches me in the face every time I hear it. Well, with a woman and with a <clears throat> Right? So what he's getting at here is not is not just the physical having an adulterous relationship outside of marriage. He's saying you have committed adultery against the Lord. You're just like the Israelites who constantly went and played the harlot, who constantly was whoring herself out to the different demonic gods and to the different nations saying, we want to be like you. Now, the Strong's definition of adultery is to commit adultery, figuratively to apostatize. Okay? Apostasy is that turning from faith, right. renouncing God, and going after something else. Okay? So if there's a word for walking away from God, can you walk away from God? Yeah. yeah. He'll let you walk away, right? It would be unloving of him to not let you walk away. Yeah, that would be a violation of his character. Exactly. Okay. So adultery is several things, right? But at the same time, even in the physical, when we have an adulterous relationship, what are we doing? We're apostatizing from our marriage. We're saying, I want something else. I want the newer, younger model, right? Or I want to gratify my flesh. Because that's what it all comes down to. Is the gratification of flesh. And worshiping yourself. And this is not what God designed us for. Now if you've been in that position. Know now. You've been forgiven. If you are in Christ. You no longer have to identify. As the fact that you were an adulterer. Okay. I want you to hear that. Now, we're still going to talk a little bit of chapter 4 because I want to drive this point home. Okay. In 1 John 2, 15-17, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Loving the world is to hate God. Right? There's a difference between being of the world and living in the world. Being of the world means you don't care what God thinks, you care what the world thinks. Being in the world means that you care about what God thinks and you spread it to the rest of the world. That's what we're called to, right? The Great Commission. Well, let's drive this whole idea of adultery home even further. Revelation 21, 8. Yeah, you knew I'd get a revelation in there. Yeah. <laughs> right. But the cowards, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars will share uh, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur 
which is the second death. You guys know what he's talking about when he says coward? Like all the other ones, everyone kind of knows. Right? Renouncing Christ. Not standing up for the gospel. Not standing up for the truth of God's word. Those are the cowards he's talking about. We don't want to be them, right? The verse before that says, the ones who conquer are more than conquerors in Christ, guys. We don't have to be afraid of what other people think about us because we're spreading the gospel. We need to just do it because we've been called to it, commanded to do that. Whether you're, you're, you're given the gift of evangelism or not, right? Each of you has a story, right? It says that they defeated the devil by the by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So you're going, you're proclaiming the gospel, but through your own story saying, Jesus saved me out of this. Yeah. Nobody can refute that. Right? They might try to refute what the Bible says, but they can't refute, refute what happened in your own life. One more verse. Revelation 22, 15. Deeper. Deeper. Okay. Outside, so this is outside of the new heaven and the new earth. Outside are the dogs, not actual dogs. This is a derogatory term, okay? <clears throat> the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. That's a lot of people. Even within people who say they are believers in Christ. Because there's a lot of falsehood that people are following. Right? They can be sincere as they want, but you can be sincerely walking all the way to the gates of hell, having been deceived. This is why we need to know what the word says. That's why there is an emphasis on memorization and meditation. Coming in in the middle of the message. <laughs> All right. 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 You're right. I should have locked the door, but he has a key. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't keep him out even if I want him. <laughs> All right. Verse five. Or do you think it is without reason that the Scripture says the Spirit He made to dwell in us envies intensely? Okay. And six, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, he says, resist, or God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, in Matthew 23, 12, it says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Right? This whole, this, these two verses talk about humbling yourself, right? Being humble in the sight of God, you know, and, and, being humble, sharing in the grace that God has given, right? He gives great amount of grace. And because of that grace, we can be humble, right? Before we received the grace of God, were we really wanting to be all that humble? No, <laughs> we were all about ourselves, right? That's why he talked about that. But first it was about us, our desires, our wants, our needs. We didn't care what God wanted, cared what we wanted. And so we need to be humble. We need to humble ourselves. We need to be meek. We need to be lowly. Okay? Those aren't bad things. They're actually good things. 
God has called people to them. In Psalm 138.6, Though the Lord is exalted, he takes note of the humble, but he knows the haughty from a distance. God watches those who are humble. He sees those who are living in humility. Those who are living for themselves. He's, he's watching them. But man, I wouldn't want to be in that in his sight under those terms. So under those terms, it's not, not necessarily a good thing. Does he love them? Absolutely. But will he show them punishment if they don't ever return to him? Absolutely. Okay. Proverbs 3, 27 to 35. <clears throat> when it is in your power, don't withhold good from the one whom it belongs. Don't say to your neighbor, go away, come back later. I'll give it tomorrow. When it is there with you, don't hold back stuff. That's, you know. 29. Don't plan any harm against your neighbor, for he trusts you and lives near you. Don't accuse anyone without cause when he has done you no harm. Don't envy a violent man or choose any of his ways, for the devious are detestable to the Lord. But he is a friend to the upright. The Lord curse the Lord's curse is on the household of the wicked, but he will bless the home of the righteous. He mocks those who mock but gives grace to the humble. The wise will inherit honor, but he holds up fools in dishonor. That's heavy, huh? Right? Don't withhold what you have. Okay? Be humble. Don't live a wicked life. Right? I don't know about you. I don't need I don't want the curse of God on, on my household because we're living in wickedness. I want to have blessing. I want to have honor. And I want to give blessing. And I want to give honor. These things are things that God loves. And when it comes to the wicked, he wants them to turn to him. Right? Otherwise, none of us would be sitting here. None of us would be working here. We'd still be living in our wickedness. Doing what we wanted. Fulfilling the desires of our flesh. Now, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. Who does not have this one memorized? (laughs) I think we all know this one at least somewhat by heart. Right? Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded sinners. That's that's James four, James four seven through eight. And now to go along with that, in Ephesians six eleven it says, "Put on the full armor of God that you may stand against the schemes of the devil." Right. So if we're going to resist the devil, we probably need to put on the armor of God. Right. If we're going to submit to God, we're going to put on all the things that he has provided for us and submit to the fact that he is our authority and we will do what he has given us authority to do, which is stand against the devil. Right. Jared talked about this last two days. The one in authority gave us authority to stand and resist the devil. 
Okay. So can we do that? Yes. Absolutely. We can do that because we have Christ. Yeah. We have victory already. Not not by ourselves. Not by ourselves. Not by ourselves at all. Right? We need to continue to walk in Christ because that's who gives us our armor. First Peter five, six through eleven. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him firm in the faith. Resist him firm in Christ knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. That's, think about that. That last part, the God of all grace, who called you, called you, 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 you. He called us okay, to his eternal glory in Christ. Right? Did Jesus die for all or for some? All. All. What does all, what does all mean in the Greek? All. All. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a little, it's a little bit of a joke right there to say that. You know, what does all mean in the Greek? All, you know, but it's true. It says that, that he died once for all. If they will come to him, take on his righteousness and walk in his newness of life. Okay? And he will himself restore, establish, strengthen, support you, even though you have suffered a little while. Right? If our lives are but a vapor, a little while of suffering is here. Because when we get to stand before God, there's no more suffering. Right? We have what, 70, 80, maybe 120 years on this earth? That's a little while of suffering compared to eternity. Right? You know, and that could have been a whole other context for the time that James was speaking in because they were being persecuted all around the world they were getting persecuted, especially within Israel and the Roman Empire. You know, but suffer well is sometimes the things that we need to remember or tell ourselves. Suffer well in Christ because it's in him that we can suffer in the right way, not complaining, not grumbling about the suffering. Sure, we might question, go, what's the purpose of this of this suffering, Lord? And I think he's okay with that with, with that question. Because no? he's got a purpose in it. He's building your faith somehow. You need to just continue to trust him. Now we already read verse 8, but I want to read 2 Chronicles 15, 2 through 7. This is why I said we're not going to make it through the whole passage. <laughs> There's so many things that I found that I wanted to read. So he went out 
to meet Asa and said to him, Asa. Now, let's, I understand this is the context of Israel and all that stuff, but try to think of it in your context right now, okay? Asa and, and all Judah and Benjamin, hear me. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, you will be fat. He will be found by you. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. For many years, Israel, think of this for you guys. For many years, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest and without instruction. But when they turned to the Lord God of Israel in their distress and sought him, he was found by them. In those times, there was no peace for those who went about their daily activities because the residents of the land had many conflicts. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every possible distress. But as for you, be strong. Don't give up, for your work has a reward. How many of you guys can kind of picture this in your own lives? Right, the time before you were following God or when you walked away from him. You can see that there was turmoil. There was there was all this dis- distress and you were living for yourselves, doing your own thing, and it wasn't making you any happier. It was not making you any happier. And you had to fill it with more and more and more and more debauchery none of it ever satisfied but then something happened you started seeking God and you found him and now he is saving each and every one of us and he is with us he is guiding us I thought it was a beautiful picture it's not often I pull out Lamentations, <laughs> but Lamentations 3, 55-57. I called on the name of the Lord from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not ignore my cry for relief. You came near whenever I called you. You said, do not be afraid. You guys calling out to God in that pit? You know, the one thing that I used to always picture when I would think of like being in a pit was that, you know, God's outside the pit. I'm down in this pit doing my own little thing, trying to get my way out. And then I started to seek God. You know, and then along comes Jesus. He realized, wow, this guy, this guy can save me. He can save me. Why am I trying to trying to dig out of this hole? I'm just making it worse. Sooner or later, I'm going to bury myself. You know, and a lot of times we'll still try to climb our own way out of it, reach into Jesus. But all we had to do was invite him into the pit and he would lift you out. Right? It's not about him reaching down. It's about him coming in and lifting you out. He will lift us out of our junk. And he says, I'll take your place. That's exactly what he did, right? Yeah. He took our place. 
cool thing is, is he doesn't have to stay in the pit because he defeated the pit. Zechariah 1, 3 through 4. So tell the people, this is what the Lord of armies says. Return to me. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. And I will return to you, says the Lord of armies. Do not be like your ancestors. The earlier prophets proclaimed to them, this is what the Lord of armies says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not listen or pay attention to me. This is the Lord's declaration, right? They wandered for 40 years and died. They never got to take hold of what God had promised to them. So again, to take from Nathan a little bit, what's the promise God has put on your life that you need to take hold of? Right? God has many promises. And he has a plan for each of us. It's when we trust his will for us that those things come to fruition. And we continue to follow him. We continue to walk in that way. And he says, turn from your evil ways. Follow me. Malachi 3.7 Since the days of your ancestors, you have turned from my statutes. You have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of armies. Yet you ask, how can we return? How can you return? What's the answer? Jesus. <laughs> the answer to return to God is Jesus. The one who reconciles you back to God is Jesus. By his atoning sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection, we have been made right with God if we are in Christ, covered by him. So how can we return? Jesus. Right? That's the simplest answer. And because it's so simple, sometimes we don't like it. The simple answers are not the answers that we always want want to look for. We want the hard answer. We want the hard answer. We want the hard thing so that we can do something and say, look, I did this. But then we're not following the end of the chapter. <laughs> we're boasting in ourselves and not in the Lord. But we'll get to that later. Okay. At the very least, let me try to get through through 12. <laughs> Don't think I'm going to make it. We've got deep cleaning just a few few minutes now in verse 9 be miserable and mourn and weep let your laughter turn to mourning and your joy to gloom now is he telling us to not be joyful to not have any happiness no, no. he's saying don't revel in your sin <clears throat> mourn over it Right? The difference between those who are outside of faith in Christ and those who are in faith in Christ, what is it? They're a party. The ones that are out or outside of Christ are just party. Right? They don't care about sin. Those who are in Christ, we care. We know when we've sinned. Because the spirit starts to convict us and go, uh, did you really need to do that? 
Did you really need to go into that? Did you really need to do this thing? Did you really need to sin? Okay. That's one aspect of how you can know you're truly following Christ. Do you mourn over your sin? Do you weep over the fact that you have done something against God? That you spoke a word against Christ? That you ignored the Holy Spirit? Isaiah 1, 16 through 20. Wash yourselves, cleanse yourselves, remove your evil deeds from my sight. Stop doing evil. Learn to do what is good. Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. From the, for the Lord, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's deep. That's deep, right? Cleanse yourselves. Remove your evil deeds. Stop doing evil. Learn what is good. That's what you're here doing, right? Yes. You're learning what is good. You're pursuing justice. You're learning how to correct the oppressors. You're learning what it means to have joy, what it means to have hope. What's hope? Uh, Hope is a person. It's Jesus. Right? The glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, the hope of our hope is Jesus, is a person. The way we can cleanse and we can remove the evil and stop doing evil is by serving Christ. And continuing in him. Jeremiah 4.14. And I think I'll probably just end here. Wash the evil from your hearts. You can place your name here. But it says Jerusalem. So that you will be delivered. How long will you harbor malicious thoughts? Malicious thoughts are still in our heads. I know it. We need to renounce those things. We need to be set free from them. And we need to tell the devil he can shut his ugly mouth. He no longer has a say in our lives. Amen. The only way we can do that is by standing with Christ. Trusting in him for our salvation alone, right? Jesus paid the price. We no longer have to pay a price. We do not punish ourselves. I am a lot like Jared was. I used to beat the snot out of myself when I did things wrong. I have cut myself. I have punched myself. I have tried to commit suicide twice. I know what it feels like to think that I need to punish myself. Well, that was the wrong type of sorrow because the sorrow of God should lead to repentance. Right? Jesus is the one who leads us. You can surrender to him. 
You can give your life to him. Okay? It's about your life now being covered with Christ. Many of you have already done that. Some of us may not have done that yet. If you want to do that, do that. You tell him that, Lord, I want to follow you. I'm sorry for my sins. I repent. I confess and I give my life to you. And then believe that he is Lord, right? Jesus is Lord. We can only say that by, truly say that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is Lord. Believe that. Follow that. Live that. 